0: Uh, ever had a child you can relate to this story Uh, when our daughter Sophia was first born um, we could easily take her out to a restaurant to go eat right she's in her car seat and she just stays in her car seat and you put her on the booth and then you feed her and she's really cute and all the people come up and say oh she's so cute and it's really easy but then when your daughter or your son starts getting older and they start sitting in a height chair for some reason every object on your table becomes a projectile Right? Like whether it's a fork or a knife or a pea or crayons or whatever it is, it's a projectile and it gets thrown somewhere. And then you have to go to the chiropractor after dinner because you're so busy picking up stuff off the floor. Take a bite, pick it up. Take a bite, pick it up. One time we went out and not only were we picking up stuff, but people at the next table over were ended up picking up stuff for us. Um, and so finally, my wife was okay with my in-laws or with her in-laws watching our daughter one night so we could go out to eat for the first time without our daughter. And it was a great night. We ended up going to uh, P.F. Chang's and Angela, she had uh, a gift card and then she had free appetizer coupons for us. And so we knew that it was going to be a great night. And so we get there and the waiter comes up to us and he says, is is there a special occasion tonight? We said, yeah, we're celebrating that this is the first time we're without our daughter and uh, we're just going to enjoy it. And so for some reason the waiter really liked that and so he gave us great service for the rest of the night and and really paid attention. At one point he spent like five minutes just talking to us about his life and about the situation of his life and all this stuff. And then at the end we said, okay, we're ready for the check and he brings us the black binder and uh, has the check in it and we put our appetizer coupons and our gift card and our credit card and we put it in it and we tell him here you go take it back and he comes back but he doesn't come back with a check he comes back and and we open it up and inside there is still our free appetizer coupon and our gift card and our credit card and he said hey i told my manager about your story and our manager said we're going to pick up the bill for you tonight you know and i thought wow that's amazing and then we started to think about it Said, so we're not sure the manager gives away free stuff just for a sap story like ours. And, and it's true. And maybe I'm just skeptical, but that's what, that's what we thought. And you know, our waiter, Jay, what we really think happened is that he connected so much with us that he himself paid for our meal. And man, you know, at the end of the night, we thought, this is a great experience. And you know what? It wasn't great because we didn't have to pay anything. It was great because someone served us really well. And maybe you've had an experience like that in your life where someone served you well. And and you know what? If you think about it, the great people in your life, the people who you look and say, man, that's a great person. You think they're great because they've served you in some way. Whether it's they've helped you out financially or they spent time with you or they mentored you. Maybe it's your parents or grandparents, whoever it is. They're great because they spent time serving you. And if you look at society and you look at all the people who you might say are great, they're great because they were willing to give up something for other people. Right? Because truthfully, being famous and being great aren't the same, are they? Like there's lots of people who are famous who you would say, they're, they're not great at all. They're actually stupid, and they're famous for being stupid. Right, so fame and greatness is not the same. I think probably the greatest people on earth may be people that you and I never hear of because they're just serving and giving of themselves completely. Martin Luther King Jr., he said this, this uh, phrase that, that really uh, resonated with me. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., he was a brilliant man, but he didn't come up with this on his own. This actually is very similar to something Jesus said, and so we're going to look at that today in Matthew chapter 20, 20 verse 28, so you can turn to that uh, if you have your phone, an app on your phone, turn to that. If you have your Bible, turn to that. Um, if you've downloaded the Spring Valley Community Church app, there's a place right on there where you can read your Bible. So you can go to your App Store or Google Play Store, download that, and you can get the Bible right there. So Matthew 20, 20 through 28. And before we look at that, I want to pray with us. God, I'm so grateful that you brought us together today. God, that we can celebrate all you're doing in us and all you have done. And I pray today that you would work in our hearts and allow us to hear from you what you want us to hear and be changed the way you want us to be changed. Holy Spirit, work in us today. In your name, amen. So in in the passage, Matthew 20, we're going to be looking at how Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to become a servant. And, And here's what I think we need to get today. That true greatness happens when you give your best for someone else's best. That true greatness actually happens not when you're famous or well-known or highly respected, but when you give your best for someone else's best. And so that's nice to say, but one of the issues with this morning is that you and I have some faulty wiring in us. And I would say, ever since we were born, there's a problem where we're not really about other people. We're just about us. And so this is so clear even in my two-year-old. So I take my two-year-old to daycare every day and we get in the car and I buckle her in her car seat and I get in the driver's seat and there's always two words, the exact same two words she's going to say. She says, Sophia's music. That's it. That's what she always says. And then I always say three words back to her. Sophia's music, what? Because I want her to say, please. And then she says, Sophia's music, please. And so we're driving to daycare and she's happy because there's these silly songs on and it's great for her. But then, every once in a while, I'll say, no, we're going to listen to daddy's music today. And her face kind of goes pale. And she looks bewildered and like, "What? what? What do you mean? Because what happened is she thinks that the world is all about her. And so when something happens that tells her it's not, she's confused. And see, she's two, and so we're hoping by God's grace that we're able to parent her to help her see that it's not all about her, that it's actually about Jesus. But some of us, we're not two, we're 20, and we still haven't figured out that the world's not about us. And some of us are 30, and we haven't figured it out, and 40, and 50, and 60, and and so kind of inside, by default, we're wired to say, life is about me, but Jesus is really going to say that true greatness happens when you make life about other people. So if we're going to become great people by serving others, we need to have our perspectives changed. And from our passage this morning, I think we're going to perspective changed on three different areas to really get this deep down. And so the first thing is that you can give your best for others when you have the right perspective on yourself. So let's start reading verse 20. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, And kneeling down, asked a favor of him. Zebedee's sons were John and James. They were kind of some of the tightest disciples to Jesus. He said, what is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at the left in your kingdom. So the right hand and the left hand, kind of the right seat and the left seat, they're the the places of power with a ruler. And so she said, I want my, my boys to be at the top. And then Jesus looks at at the two sons. He says, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called all of them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. So we're going to stop right there. And here's what we're going to see. Jesus is about a week away from being crucified. And he's just told them a parable about the first being last and the last being first. And then he actually told them about his crucifixion. Like in a couple of weeks or a week I'm going to die and then I'm going to be raised again. But they're just not getting it. Because they're stuck from the last chapter when Jesus said, hey, guess what? The 12 of you, when I come into my kingdom, you're going to reign with me. But that's not good enough for them. Because now they're saying, hey, I don't want to just reign. I want to be at the top. And so some scholars disagree, but but a lot of scholars agree. John and James were most likely Jesus' first cousins. Okay, so their mom was a sister to Jesus' mother. And so here they are, and they're bringing their mom to come ask Jesus for something they want. Reminds you of like playing Little League, right? And you want to play more, but you're too afraid to ask the coach. And so you bring your mama in, and you say, hey, can you ask the coach for me? And so then we hear that the other 10 are kind of indignant with them. So Jesus had 12 disciples that were really tight with them. And so you just imagine the picture, right? Here's Jesus' aunt and two cousins, and they're trying to get high places in the kingdom, and here's the other ten, they're kind of left out. Now, I don't know if this is how you read the Bible, but sometimes I like to put myself into the Bible to imagine what it would have been like to be there. And so, I'm just with the group of of the other ten, and Jesus is over here. And I kind of start thinking, like, what makes them think that they're better than us? I mean, come on, you all saw what John did last week. You all saw how James messed up. Like, he doesn't deserve to be at the top. I deserve to be at the top. You have to have someone who's good-looking to be there. Look at John. Like, you can just see the disciples, and they're just kind of getting angry, and then they start to probably think of reasons of why they should be at the top, and these guys shouldn't. And sometimes, isn't that what we do? Like, even in a place like church... Maybe it's subconsciously, but we walk into a place and we start to kind of rank ourselves among people. Say, well, I'm better looking than that person, or I raise my kids better than that person, or we have more money, and and we kind of just do this, and it's kind of low-key, but we do it. We just kind of say, like, I'm here, and they're here, and they're here. And see, the problem with that is that pride is what really drives that. Because when you start to rank yourself and start to put yourself above other people, you start to come with this mentality that says, I deserve something. I deserve more than that person deserves. I came up with a little corny saying, and it rhymes, so that's what I'm gonna tell you. But the truth is this, is that when you think you're deserving, you tend to stop serving. Right, when you think you're deserving, you tend to stop serving. And this is why we need to have a right view of ourselves. And here's what the right perspective on yourself is, that I don't deserve it. Our culture is just filled with people who are so entitled to say, man, I really deserve that or I shouldn't have to do that. And it just creeps into us. But some of you are concerned because now I'm kind of getting into the area of self-esteem, right? Because if you think I don't deserve it, then all kinds of bad things happen when you have low self-esteem. And what I would push for is not high self-esteem or low self-esteem. i push for humility. Tim Keller has a, has a quote that's really helped me, and I hope it helps you today. It says this, that the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. So it's not about, man, I'm awesome or, man, I'm not awesome. It's about, let me think about other people. Let me think about other things. So, I truly believe we'll have the right view on ourselves when we take this seriously. Because here's the truth what's the right perspective of yourself? It's this that I'm far more messed up than I know. Right? Isn't, it, isn't it true that some of us, man, we have this inflated view of ourselves? We don't actually see what reality is. A couple weeks ago, uh, for my, my father in law's 60th birthday, we went and we took family pictures. Right, And they were great, and a, and a girl from our church did them, and they turned out awesome. And I got the CD. Okay, Now, I know that I needed to lose a few pounds. But man, when I looked at the pictures, I was like, "Angel, is this what I really look like? I'm like, okay, I just need to get in shape. It's fine. But we kind got of to do that in other areas, not just with our image, but just with who we are. And what we need to realize is that we're probably worse than we think we are. And yet, at the same time, we're far more loved by Jesus than we could ever know. And so now our sense of worth is no longer on what we do or how we look or what we can accomplish or how much money is in the bank. Our value is now based on how much Jesus loves us. And so that's why we can have the right perspective on ourselves. And if you're married, I want you to look at me today. I think if you can have this perspective in your marriage that you don't deserve it, it will change your marriage. Because listen, here's how we can tend to get stuck in our marriage, right? You work a long day at work and you come home. You're like, man, I did my job. Now I'm done. Now I deserve to get served. Or maybe you're home with the kids all day. Or maybe you're working somewhere else and you come home. and, And then we can tend to say this. Well, I deserve to have my needs met. Whether you're a husband or wife, maybe you say this, maybe you think, I deserve for him to do this, or I deserve for her to do this. And if we get stuck in that, if we get stuck in this idea of deserving, right, then we're in this stalemate. Because you say, I'm not going to meet their needs until they meet my needs. And I'm not going to meet his needs until he meets my needs. And we can just go like that in marriage. And man, if you want to have a bad marriage, think that you deserve the world. But if you want to have a good marriage, here's what you do. Don't worry about what you deserve and go and meet their needs. Because when you come into a relationship where both people are striving to meet each other's needs, you're going to have a great marriage. See, Jesus said that greatness is actually defined by serving others. So this morning, the first perspective we need changed is on ourselves. The second one is is on the flip side. It's we need our perspective on others changed. We can only give our best when we change it on them. So verse 26, Jesus has just said, the Gentile rulers, they kind of do this and this, but not so with you. He said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. So Jesus says, we're not going to go the way the world does, we're going to go like this. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant. Now, a servant in this time um, is actually probably the lowest paid person uh, in that society, right? Their minimum wage. They do things that you don't actually need any training for, right? Cleaning the house, setting the table, helping out with dishes, just doing that kind of stuff. You know, they weren't highly respected people and yet Jesus says, if you want to be great, you should become like a servant. And what Jesus is doing is flipping the power structure of the time on its head, right? So instead of having, you know, Powerful people up here being served by everyone else. Jesus is saying the powerful or great people are down here serving everyone above them. There's a quote by by a guy named R.C.H. Lenski. And he said this. He said, God's great men are not sitting on the backs of lesser men, but bearing lesser men on their backs. That's a powerful truth. Even if you are a boss, even if you are a manager, our job is to serve people, not just to be served And then he takes it even further and he says, if anyone wants to be first, I would expect him to say last, but instead he uses a cultural metaphor of a slave. He says, anyone who wants to be first must be your slave. So a slave in this time period, they're way worse off than a servant, okay? Because at least a servant owns the clothes on their back. And they get to go home at night. For a slave, their master owns them. And man, I am so grateful That our society has figured out that slavery is not God's plan. That that's not a good thing. But Jesus is using this cultural metaphor to help us see that if you want to be first, then you have to act like someone's slave. And here's what I mean by that. That servants and slaves, what do they do? They put their masters and their, their owners, they put their wishes first and their needs first and their wants first. And they put themselves second. And so the right perspective that we need on other people is this, that they're more important. We need to see that other people are more important. And Jesus stresses this over and over again. So way back, we have the Old Testament. That's the first half of the Bible. Okay, and it's long and has lots of stories and has lots of laws, including 612 laws of the Jewish people, the Ten Commandments and all this. And Jesus said, all right, guys, I know you're not the sharpest tools in the shed, so I'm going to break this down for you. He said, all the law, all the prophets, everything in this Old Testament can be broken down into these two sayings. And most of you probably know this. He said, the first one is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you get those things, then you'll be good with everything else. But I want to stop and think about that second one for a second. He said, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. With the same tenacity and passion and drive that you go to making your life better, to caring about your family, to making sure you're happy, he said, I want you to use that same amount of energy to love other people. And honestly, just thinking about that is it's actually really hard to say, how do I even do that? I'm not around them enough. How how does that even work? And so I think it comes down to this one word, which is sacrifice. Because it's all about sacrifice. You know what? We're not unfamiliar with sacrifice, right? I mean, you and I actually sacrifice more than we know. Let's take money, for example, right? So we save up money we choose not to buy it on something that we really want this second so we can save up more to buy something that we really want later how about with health right we don't eat this amazing food i don't know if i'm gonna go with this on memorial day because there's gonna be some good food but typically if you're trying to watch your weight and you're trying to watch your health you don't eat this food now so you can be healthy later You know, if you're ever running or working out, you know the motto, no pain, no gain? Like you're just really pushing the weights hard and it hurts. But you're saying, if I don't hurt now, then I won't grow later. And what Jesus says, our new motto is actually this. My pain for your gain. He says that should actually be ours. My pain for your gain. Isn't it fitting that it's Memorial Day weekend? Pastor Joe prayed for it and just talked about it and just, man, we see we're here to celebrate the men and women who have given their lives up for freedom. What an amazing commitment that they made. And as followers of Jesus, our job is to give our lives up for others, to give our best for someone else's best, not for freedom for our country, which is a great thing, but something even more powerful, which is freedom for eternity which is eternal life. See, you and I, we get to sacrifice for people so that they can come to know and love Jesus. Right? And not just one person, but it can affect their family and generations and generations. And I mean, this isn't any more evident than it is at Spring Valley. Right? At Why we're here gathered this morning. One of the things that our hospitality team says all the time is that, man, our goal is to help people have a good experience so they can have a God experience, right? So that when people come in, if they have a good experience, they're more likely to have a God experience with God. Do you know what the heart behind that, what we're telling them? Is that, man, when you love and serve people, they're likely to sense the love of Jesus. Because that's what happens when you serve people. They feel loved. And so whether you're here and you set up early or you stay late and help tear down chairs in the truck, or you work with the kids, or you lead a connection group, or you work with our youth, or wherever you can serve, I want to say I'm thankful for you. I truly am thankful, not because somehow you serve Pastor Joe, or myself, or our church, but it's because you're there to help people feel the love of Jesus, and sense the love of Jesus, and that's what happens when you give up your best for someone else's best. So that they start to feel the love of Jesus and they start to sense who he is. Man, you know what I love? I love when someone new walks in and someone who's not even serving on our team goes up to them and welcomes them and helps show them around. I love it when people say, hey, come sit with me. You don't have anybody sit with your new? Come sit with me because what we're doing is being Jesus' hands and feet to them. That's what happens when you give up your best for someone else's best. You give up your comfort so they can feel comfortable, so they can hear about Jesus. So man, if we're going to serve people to become great, we need to remember that we don't deserve it and that other people are more important. But I really want you to get this last part, because if you don't get this last part, then all of what I've said doesn't mean anything. Because the last place that you need to have a right perspective on is on Jesus. Verse 28 says this, and this may be one of the most powerful verses in the whole book of Matthew. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was pointing at himself and saying, hey guys, look. I know that you think being great looks like this, but this is what great looks like. Now Jesus was the King of Kings, so he's kind of the first person who should be served. He's the King of Kings, and yet instead... He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. And then earlier in our passage, he he asked those guys, the two disciples, he said, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And so this cup is a symbol for suffering, and we see in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before Jesus got arrested, that that he asked, God, let this cup pass for me, meaning meaning I don't want to go through this suffering, and yet he said, but not my will, but your will, right? So this cup of suffering so Jesus when you look at Jesus he took on all the pain of the torture all the pain of the beating all the pain of being crucified and yet that wasn't the worst pain see the worst pain for Jesus was taking on the sins of the world on himself and he did all that he gave all that up for someone else's best and so here's the right perspective on Jesus that he gave up everything I mean, it's such a powerful truth. We sang about it in, in three of our worship songs this morning. And yet, if we're not careful, it's can become stale and become something that we kind of sort of believe and realize. But what ultimately ends up happening most times is that we start to kind of see Jesus as someone who just is our helper. Right? Like, man, God, thanks for doing that. And I really need your help with this, 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 and this. And it's a tendency that I sometimes fall into that we need to be careful of that that Jesus isn't just someone who served us, but man, that we owe everything to him. The end, of the, the end of the passage, it says this, that he gave his life up as a ransom for many. The word ransom is the same term used for paying the price for a slave to be free. So in the, in the time of Jesus, a slave could be redeemed or rescued by someone if they paid the price. They said, okay, well, if you want to free this slave, it's going to cost this much. And for you and I, Jesus said, I'm willing to take on the price. I'm willing to pay the price for that person. But here's what we forget. That when Jesus paid the price for us, when he rescued us, it wasn't because he's like, man, I really want this person on my team. Like, they have so much potential, I want them. Or, they're so nice, they need to be a Christian. No, see, the scriptures tell us, that when you and I, when Christ died for us, we are still sinners. So other parts of Scripture say that we were enemies of God. And so think about this. This goes back to our deserving. Did, Did you and I deserve to have Christ die for us? Not at all. We're not somehow just great people that, of course, God would send His Son to die for us. We were less than nothing, and yet He loved us and cared for us. So I think when we realize what Jesus has done, when we get that deep down to say, man, he gave up everything for me when I didn't deserve it, we're going to start acting differently. And here's what we're going to stop doing. We're going to stop saying, man, I'm going to do this for you, God, and I'm expecting something back. Or God, I'm going to kind of do this because I know it's the right thing and if I don't do it, you're going to get mad at me. See, that's not what following Jesus is about see following Jesus is saying I'm going to serve someone else because you've served me I'm going to love them and give up myself because you're willing to give up your best for me see we don't do it out of compulsion we're out of some kind of fear but we serve Jesus and we serve others out of gratitude as a response to what he's done for us That's what the gospel is. The gospel isn't just for someone who doesn't know Jesus to hear. The gospel is for us every single day to wake up, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm not gonna get it right, but I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. And then we say, now I'm gonna be like Jesus when I serve other people. Because he said, that's what's great. You know, a while back, I was talking with Pastor David. And I was, was going to ask someone in our church to take on a role that involved more work and more time and more energy. And I kind of, I felt bad about it because I'm like, I'm asking them to give up a lot to do this. You know what he did? He helped me see what reality is. See, while serving other people is about sacrifice and giving up your time and energy. And while serving at church does take time and energy. What he says to Andrew's. You're actually giving them an opportunity to serve Jesus. See, we we can choose two different perspectives like, man, I'm really giving up a lot or I get the opportunity to do this because at the end of your life, no matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, you're going to meet Jesus and he's going to say, Andrew, what did you do with the time and the energy and the resources that I gave you? And we really have two responses. The first one is this well, God, you know what? I kept them safe. I made sure that I was comfortable. I made sure that kind of everything was just good and stable and normal. Or the other response is this. You can say, Jesus, with all the time and energy and resources that you gave me, I tried to use them for your kingdom. I tried to use it for your good. I didn't get it right, but I tried my best. And then that's the choice that we get to make this morning. We can either choose to make life about us or we can make life about the one who gave everything up for us. So I think the Holy Spirit is is pushing us to say less of me and more of Jesus. It's kind of a radical thing to say, I'm gonna give my best, the best that I deserve for someone else and that other person may not even deserve it. And when we do that, we're being like Jesus because we didn't deserve it but he gave it for us. So this morning, I hope that we get that our lives are not our own because you know what? One day, I want Sophia and any other kids that we have to grow up and I want them to, to think about me I don't want him to say, man, my dad wasn't perfect, but he really did sacrifice for us. I want my wife to say, man, Andrew's messed up, but he really did try to give himself up for me. I want my neighbors to say, man, I don't know about that guy, but he really is for me. He's really willing to listen to me talk. He's willing to watch my kids so I can go on a date. He's willing to help me with my yard work. What's different about him? What about your coworkers? Man, that person worked hard for our company and they served me. They didn't have to. Because that's really what we want for our church, isn't it? We want to be a church that's known for serving. A church that's known for being generous in our community. A church for knowing, is known for running towards the messes instead of away from the messes especially when we move, we want our church to be known in North Coventry and in the Pottstown area for a church that loves. You know what people will say? That's a great church. You know why it's great? It's not great because of the worship. It's not great because of the preaching. It's not great because of the environment they create. It's great because the people are willing to serve and love and give up their lives for other people. Jesus said that's what true greatness is about. So this morning, man, we have a little bit of time, but we also have a kind of a three-day weekend. And my question for you is, how are you going to give your best for other people's best? And I'd say it starts with this. It starts with growing your affection for Jesus because the second that it starts to get dull, That's when you'll stop believing that you don't deserve it and you'll stop believing that other people are more important. Jesus is the one that drives all these other things. So you have an orange card that you've got in your connecting points. In the back there is a place that says, my response to the sermon today. I wanna take a minute this morning and let Vinnie play. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, "How, how do you want me to serve? So who will you serve and what will you do to serve them? So why don't we take a minute and we'll ask God to speak to us. And listen, we're not having you write this down so we know. We're having you write this down for you. So let's take a minute and do that right now. this morning there's lots of ways you can serve there's lots of people in your life who need to be served man if you want to start serving at spring valley you can mark that on the back of this card there's always room we'll get you connected into a place that fits for your personality and your gifts but maybe you're in here and you're not a follower of jesus yet today he said andrew i don't know all the stuff you've been talking about but jesus i want to know him you can do that today. And all you have to do is simply ask him, say, I'm sorry for what I've done. I ask you to come be the leader of my life. I'm gonna try my best to follow after you. And that's it, just simple. So if you wanna do that today, you can mark that in the back of your card too and we'll get in contact with you and help you take your next steps. I wanna pray for us. If you wanna stay and pray and think about this, you can, but you can feel free to be dismissed. So let's pray together. God, thank you that, that you're alive. Thank you that you've done so much to serve us. I pray today that we could be people who serve others like we've been served. Help us to enjoy one another and love one another. God, for those of us who are still in hard places, pray that you come close. In your name, Jesus, amen.